0: As you may or may have not noticed last week's podcast episode was not released uh, following on from the death of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement now being I guess as it always should have been in the forefront of our minds I didn't feel like an episode of me or a white woman chatting about my own experiences was appropriate or helpful. I also felt strongly that I didn't want to do a one-off, isolated Black Lives Matter episode just to tick a box and then move on with my own privileged life. Ain't Broke, Don't Fix Me, this podcast is all about shining a light on mental health, celebrating our differences, and there are a lot of black artists, creators, speakers that I admire, and of course, all the amazing black people in my life that need to have their stories heard. I've scheduled a whole host of incredible individuals to come on and share their experiences and I really do encourage you to take the time to listen. In the meantime, today's episode is a celebration of Pride Month, a bloody good chat with my best friend and I hope a little dose of joy for you all. This podcast won't always be funny uh, and it won't always be easy to listen to but I hope it always will be educational. So here it is, episode four, Growing Up Gay with my best friend, Robert Saunders.
1: are a crime. Then I'm under arrest because I'm a boy. Because is a boy scouts. Fuck the closets. Let the boys out.
0: <laughs> Perfect. And that. What a brilliant way to open the episode with Todrick Hall. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and we're rolling. Episode four of Ain't Broke Don't Fix Me the podcast. Uh, growing up gay. I'm here with my best friend Rob Saunders. Hi Rob. Hello. This is lovely. Nice and relaxing. I was just saying previously to this. Normally. I'm pretty uncomfortable when it comes to meeting new people. So when we when we, we pre-record these, so when we have guests, I don't I don't actually like being so close to them. So that's really nice. If you're thinking of coming on, I'll feel really uncomfortable all the way through our chat, but educational, and that's the main thing.
1: Well, I want you to treat me just like everybody else. I don't want you to feel so relaxed. I want the four <coughs> MEP don't broke ain't broke don't fix me treatment
0: good I'll I'll face the other way Um, So I'm here with Rob I've put down a few things actor dancer artiste incredible Uh, Mm. anything else have I missed
1: Uh, just general good guy
0: general good guy and also we were saying always always late
1: always late always late always late have love handles have a temper when I'm ang- <laughs> when I'm hungry, hangry. Yeah.
0: Um. Not great things for the CV.
1: No. But also I have been volunteering during the lockdown.
0: Wow. That like, he is a good guy. Yeah. Not, all-, down, of <laughs> yeah.
1: not all heroes oh, wear capes.
0: Is there anything more depressing than the sound of just three <laughs> three people clapping in an echoing room? Clapping
1: myself as well. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
0: Uh, and I was gonna say to kick this off, Rob, first time on a podcast. But no, not Rob's first time on a podcast. <laughs> no. I'll let, in fact, I'll let you share this story because it's a good uh, one.
1: Um, so it was about a year ago. Yeah. So Emmy was invited to speak at my was it Mind Over Matter, or it was a podcast with DJ. No, no what, what was it?
0: Mind. It wasn't Mind Over Matter. But it was something like. No. Not that it, irrelevant actually, but yeah.
1: So DJ Spoonie was hosting it, and Emmy was invited to talk on like a round table discussion that was being f- filmed podcast as well. Mm. Um, so I, Emmy invited me along, so I put my good hat on. Off we trotted into London, I think it was really
0: another volunteering experience, yeah. You know,
1: just happy to help. <laughs> so we trotted off into London, got there, um, and I thought it was going to be in front of like an audience. So normally I'll go along to events like this with Emmy and I'll sit and I'll clap and cheer and and listen and learn. But everybody that had been invited were artists that were there to speak. So everyone was up around this table having this discussion and I slowly realised that I was just there to witness. I had nothing to say in this discussion on mental health. Um,
0: Spoonie definitely thought you were you were there to, to give us something. Yeah, but well I
1: kind of looked like a big deal. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, I can see why
0: he made that mistake.
1: It was being filmed and I just remember trying to get up against the wall, like away from the sight of the camera. <laughs> but because I was quite close to DJ Spoony, I, I was quite visible <laughs> in this discussion. And he started going around to everyone, asking them what their name was, yeah. what their stage name was. Could they give them a little piece? Of their work or their art i was thinking what the hell am i going to do if he comes to me (laughs) hi my name's rob um this is a rap that i thought i'm gonna have to spit a few bars here at some point
0: yeah why don't why don't you now why Uh, don't you spit a few bars of that because
1: one two three my name is wrong and i live in the trees i don't mess for me
0: (laughs) that would have been excellent yeah and it's a real shame actually that you didn't ask it um Anyway, Rob has been my friend for uh, well, too long. Yeah, too long. Twenty-five-ish years, and it's almost—it's got to that point now that even if we didn't want to be friends anymore. That can't happen because we've experienced too much together. Yeah, it's an
1: obligation.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's too much that he knows about me for me to be able to get on with my life peacefully away from you. I think we
1: work <laughs> too well together because we can be in a situation in a group of people and Emmy could tell a story and I know <laughs> full well that it will be a lie. <laughs> Emmy would be like, Rob was there. So i are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this happened, it just gets out, it escalates yeah. and grows and grows and grows into... Um, it's a massive lie. She lies for me, I lie for her. Yeah, That's how we, friendships work. I
0: think it is. And, but we've got surprisingly better over the years, but, I mean, still not great. But when we think about what we were like as teenagers, I I feel sorry for anybody that was friends with us, really, because we just used to stand up and talk so loudly over everyone.
1: Yeah, it's attention, though, isn't it? I think it's <laughs> like, I'm slightly different, and I feel uncomfortable with it, so... Instead of people yeah. picking on me, look at me, yeah, look at really... me, and I will force myself down your throat. Like, I think yeah. it's a bit of
0: that 100%. We grew up on the same street, parents were friends, went to primary school and secondary school together, mm-hmm. and then we just hit an age from about probably like 13, 14 years old where we became inseparable, I guess. We did everything together, it was worrying. Mm. I think it, we had. It certainly explains maybe some of my attachment issues. I think they stem from you. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) But I think
1: we did everything together. I think when you meet someone, especially in those formative years when you're younger, and especially, I know, like growing up gay, or having that feeling when you're going through puberty that you know you're different. To see somebody else that lives, I mean, we're really lucky, that lives across the road from Mm. you. And you know that you both have these feelings of feelings slightly different. I think you latch onto it because you're like, that. I recognise that feeling. hundred percent.
0: And I can't draw a picture for you guys to see, but literally it was me, Rob and our friend Shannon and Marnie. And we work together now, which, which is like, we've come full circle, but... We literally lived on... There was a green in... but Like, a patch of green in between our houses and Mm. we used to walk to school together and and those were our teenage years. I I was going to say as well, do you think we had that connection partly because it was on a deeper level? We both knew we were gay without... Before we even came out. Like, I just always knew you were gay. Like, I never had that conversation with you. I just knew.
1: I think you... I think you do. You identify the feeling of feeling... Different in someone, yeah, and you think, and also being loud, and and it it helps that we shared interests, yeah. Like, we all loved performing, so we all loved acting. We would do the school shows together, yeah. We would all of them extracurricular things joined us together as well. Mm. Um, So, yeah, we had similar interests, we had similar feelings, similar sense of humor, and it's
0: and yeah, and like what I said is that there was never a moment. Where I never I never questioned whether you were gay. I just knew no. you were gay, always. And I suppose, I guess that you had that with me. Yeah, and I think it's a feeling of
1: you, you're you not being asked. I yeah. think you find that comfort spot when you are going through them years of I can be myself with this person, they're not going to come at me with any hard questions that I don't want to yeah. answer. They're not gonna judge me for how I am. We just get on because we get on. Yeah. And there doesn't need to be anything asked about it. Because I'm not gonna pry about. Nah. Well, you like to wear this, that's a bit funny. Or, yeah. hey Rob, you're, you've you asked for the Little Mermaid Barbie every Christmas, that's a bit odd for a boy. Like, yeah. there's no, it's just, that was fine.
0: Because what is, what's really interesting is, a lot of straight people more often than not will say, when did you realise you were gay? And I I say this with the, with the most genuine because I don't even though you know I am gay I'm a gay woman but I try I like to think that I'm very open minded and very fluid with with like you know I've I've slept with men I've had interactions with men I don't think men are repulsive but mm. you know I, I know I, I have always known so when people say when did you realise you were gay I can honestly say birth yeah like I. Always. There has never been a moment where I didn't... Like, it's, it's like saying... I mean, it's, it's said a lot, but when straight people say, when did you realise you, you were gay? Well, when did you realise you were straight? You just know, don't you? It's yeah. not... It's just always inbuilt in you.
1: Yeah, and I, I totally... Not to take away from anyone else, I know that everybody has their own journey and their of own experience yeah. with being gay. However, I would agree. I think I always knew... I don't necessarily, I would have said I am gay from being really tiny, but I knew that I was different. I knew that all of my friends were girls. I knew that when, um, when we played kiss chase, when Daniel would chase, I'd be like, oh, Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that that was, I knew I felt like that and I knew that that was different from the other boys that I grew up and were in my class. And yeah,
0: things. and I always had this this quiet understanding that you were gay. So I always like you said I always felt that whole different kind of comfortable with you because I didn't have to worry mm-hmm. like I have to worry with other people. Mm-hmm. And i spoke like even down to even, even when we got into our teenagers, things like sleepover like so basically where we lived uh d- d- so as I said we all lived on a green and we would often stay at each other's houses because it was so easy. We could just walk up to each other's houses and there was no worry from our parents and our parents must have uh, like yeah. from, from children we always knew you as Spice Girl Robert didn't we yeah. that was your nickname mm. like because you would always be in the leopard print leggings yeah dancing to the and Spice Girls and I think girls. it makes
1: you uh it makes me really appreciate now that I'm older and I look back mm. and I think Wow, Look, I was really lucky that I was around people like your parents, Shannon and Hermione's parents, yeah. my own parents, that just allowed me to make up Spice Girls dances and wear Shannon's Spice Girls skirt with a Spice <laughs> belt. Or I had another friend as well when I was really, really tiny, Alex, that lived in the corner of the cul-de-sac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember coming to... We used to swap clothes, so she would put my football kit on and I would wear her yeah. like tutu and... a and I remember our parents coming to, like, pick us up, and finding it. But it, it was never a deal. I don't know. There must have been some hard conversations at home for parents.
0: Maybe. But I was,
1: I was never made to feel that. But for some reason, you do have that. You know that it's wrong. You yes. have that sort of guilt, which I think that's.
0: Well, and, and we're going back to we're going back to that guilt because we we speak about this quite often as a funny story. Um, but before I had come out, I've, I've always dressed on, I think, on a handful of occasions in my life, I've worn a dress in times that I felt like I should have worn a dress. Do you know what I mean? When you're a kid and you're going to a family wedding or there was a... All of, all of the girls that were in a band, I was in a really cool rock band called Sprawlson, by the way. We won Battle of the Bands, we were something really special. But they all were all wearing dresses for Battle of the Bands and I knew, oh, maybe I should wear a dress. But I tried to find a dress that was the most masculine mm. alternative dress that I could find, if that was even possible. We
1: took a trip to Camden Market to yeah. get dress for Battle of the Bands, yeah. we went together. And I remember Siffling was so cool. And I'm 15. I'm going to Camden Market. And I can smell weed. Wow. <laughs> and like walking, like walking around, and we found this dress and it was like a replica yeah. of some sort of Avril Levine yeah. realness. Like buckles across the front. And you were like a size eight. Oh
0: god. What I would do to <laughs> what I would do to have my 15-year-old body back. <laughs> but uh yeah, like going back to that, the clothing thing is that we, so we, used to, me, Shannon and Rob used to have a diary and we used to write in it about how we were feeling, I suppose. That was a way of like a, a good outlet for us to talk about our sexuality when no one else knew. We mm-hmm. would write in this book and pass it around and, and Rob wrote in the diary, which we always laugh at, I think Emily's mum knows, because everyone used to call me Emily back then. I think Emily's mum knows that she's a lesbian because she found top man clothes hidden in her wardrobe. <laughs> now we laugh about that now but I, I really remember that going out and buying clothes that I felt comfortable in that's you know quote unquote boys clothes it was wrong of me to wear boys clothes and for me to spend my money mm. on clothes that are considered boys clothes that I had to hide them mm. and that now, now I, I, I wear whatever I'm comfortable in and quite often more often than not Yeah, I do dress androgynous and that's my style and that's where I feel most comfortable. But I suppose I didn't know that as a woman, I thought all women had to look a certain way and behave Mm. a certain way. I didn't know that I could still be a woman and be happy to be and proud to be a woman, a gay woman, and wear whatever the fuck Mm. I liked. Do you know what I mean? it's hard
1: because where does that come from? Yeah. Because your mum hadn't said to you, like my parents had never said to me, you... I ever see you in that top man shirt, <laughs> or if I catch you in a tutu again, that is it. No. Like that, where that comes from yourself? It's your own. Oh, you, and I think you I, tell yourself that. Yeah. it must come from like I don't know. Is it media? Like I, oh, it's I guess, definitely got to be worse now. And I didn't want to. Di-
0: I, I didn't want to disappoint Eva. I didn't want to disappoint yeah. my mum. I didn't want my mum. My mum's a oh, my mum's a lovely woman, mm. but you know. She's very much, very feminine, very softly spoken, very, very girly, likes feminine things. Very stereotypically, a straight woman. Mm. And I knew that a lot of her friends were similar and and her friends and their friends' daughters all, all were girly and went on shopping trips together. And I thought... I don't want to be this disappointment. I don't want to say to yeah. my mum, I hate doing that stuff. I don't enjoy that. I don't want to wear those clothes. I didn't want to be a letdown. And I suppose when you are gay, before you've come out, you do feel like you're going to be a big old burden, don't you? I, I think guess? because
1: it's hard enough going through puberty as a cisgendered heterosexual person. Yeah. I think that's hard enough to deal with in itself because you don't know who you are. Yeah. What am I doing? bits of my body are growing I've got hair growing here so to then chuck in not only do you not know what's going on with your body and you're going through puberty anyway to then add a layer of well I'm not experiencing puberty like everybody else and I don't feel the same feelings that I'm supposed just putting my little fingers up here supposed to be feeling I think that sends you west you're like I am an alien I am completely different (laughs) to everybody else in this planet
0: it's really odd isn't it because even though we've both grown up together, even though we've both... And my mum, my mum, still to this day, she goes, well, look, I I never knew, I never knew you were gay. The signs just weren't there. <laughs> the, the signs were there, Julie. The signs were, the signs were in your... Fa- what child were you raising? Yeah, because the signs, was...
1: the signs were written in a Sharpie pen. They were going nowhere. Like they like, were...
0: I can't show you a picture of me. In fact, actually, I might put a picture of me in the... Um, if you could maybe we could find a picture of both of us. I could put that mm-hmm. as, the, as the thumbnail because I'm not joking. I used to scrape my hair back into, into a bandana and I used to live and die in a football kit. Sometimes I would even not wear the top of it because mm-hmm. I wanted to be shirtless like a boy. Yeah, and then when I went into my teenage years, I was, yeah, okay, I'd wear like heavy eyeliner, but I would wear big shirts and things from Top Man. I'd love my friends that were boys. I liked, uh, yeah, like. The signs were there, Julie. Mm. They were very much there. But do you think it
1: gives a layer of... It's funny, isn't it? Because I... A lot of my friends when I was a kid were girls. I felt like I identified with girls. You are a girl. Yeah. So we were friends. But then you you enjoyed male company yeah i'm a boy but i had all of the traits and wanted to experience those feminine things yeah you really enjoyed all of the masculine things so it's funny that we found we found each
0: other other. yeah yeah that is funny and like our what i was going to say was our, our experiences even though we both everyone's experience is different as you know like We've, we're friends with lots of gay people, we're friends with lots of bisexual people, my partner is pansexual, like we, we all identify differently and everyone's experience is so different and it's not black and white and nothing proves more than that, than the fact that me and you grew up the same age, gay, have always felt like we were gay, but for you, you never really had that conversation of no. I'm gay from a young age, people just knew it, and you yeah. just went through life and lived your gay life, and some of it not necessarily in secret. But yeah, I
1: think it's it's really interesting. I think people always are like shocked mm. at the coming out story for me because there was never a that I had no coming out story to tell. Mm. I think I was really lucky that we were into performing arts, and both of us were not short of a little bit of confidence. Yeah. Um, whether that was a front or not, but we were both quite loud people. So when I went to school, especially secondary school, um, I was loud, confident, I flourished at school really. I loved school. Yeah. Um, so, and going to a state school in Basildon, you have the lads that are like, right, you, you gay mate, you, he's yeah, banged. Yeah. But for me, I knew that I, I like control and I like to power so I turned it from being really young and being like yeah I am gay so at school I, I made the decision not to hide it even from like year seven or yeah. year eight so then the, I it, it took the thing away from them that they could bully me for because and also we I always yeah
0: and we always always had each other's backs with that and I think that yeah. that's what made it a bit easier because I actually did have that, that sit-down chat mm. with my parents, age 15. And now when I think about it, God, that was so young and yes. so brave of me to do that. But I think, actually, I wasn't ready to do that. I was kind of forced into coming mm. out before I was ready. So basically, I, like I said, always knew I was gay. And I had some experiences in school that were not... I mean, it shows how far forward things have gone now in the last 10 years because there were things said to me by teachers in school that were so inappropriate. Um, For example, me holding hands with a girl on a playground and a teacher who cannot be named came up to me in the playground in front of all of my friends and said, uh, this needs to stop. We've been talking about this in the staff room and it's not appropriate. And that was said to me on the playground in school. Uh, Another example, the one that sticks with me the most is being... Being in year 10 and getting changed for PE, and a group of girls who were not very nice and made this rumor that I was, you know, staring at them while they were getting changed in the changing rooms. And I got moved out of the changing rooms to get changed in another room because I was making these girls apparently feel uncomfortable. Uh, And that has had an, you know, whilst this podcast is about mental health and we talk about mental health and we've, I've done a lot about ADHD and my ADHD and yeah it's easy to say okay well I've suffered with mental health because of my ADHD but I do think a lot of that a lot of those trauma experiences come from being that age and mm. hearing a lot of things said about me when I was young but we always had each other's backs with things like that. Well, they're
1: your formative years aren't they? Yeah. They're the years that shape you and form your opinions on things and the way that you you see the world... And I remember... Re- oh,
0: God, I remember so much, like... Because we used to walk home from school together. And <laughs> I remember this really well, because we used to have a group of boys that used to follow us. And now, do you remember the time of the football?
1: Oh, my God, yeah. Walking down to the shop through the alleyway.
0: Yep. And there was this group of boys, and they were kicking a football at us the whole way home. And... Lovely chaps, they <laughs> yeah, were. Yeah. And you, you have that. As, as, a, as a gay person... When you, um, even in my adult life, when I've experienced some kind of hatred or abuse, you have those feelings of, sometimes it's easier to just leave it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I've been out with my partner and had lesbians shouted out at me or called me a dyke and a lot of the time you think, do you know what, it's easy to just let it go. Mm. But sometimes you get to a point and you think, like I can't hold this in anymore. Something needs to be done and you feel, you get a moment of bravery. And these boys were kicking this football at us all the way home. And they were saying some really horrible stuff to you. I remember yeah. at this particular. And instance. you're a lot
1: better at being protective, and a lot better at being brave and speaking out. I think at that time for me, I'm like, well, I'm not about to take on these four lads in an alleyway, so I'm just going to keep my head down and keep moving. Yeah.
0: And they kicked this football, and um, it was like you know, like an air football that you would blow up, mm-hmm. like that's made of like plastic, sort of. And um, cheap Sports
1: Direct two pound.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I picked up this football because it had kick, they kicked it a rob and it hit pretty hard and they were calling us, you know, all sorts of names. And I picked up this football and I just I remember my my blood literally boiling and I picked up my pen out of my backpack and I burst the football in mm-hmm. front of them. And they, I just remember that adrenaline taking over and then thinking, shit, now what? Like, I've done this now. Run. Um, We just ran, yeah. We just ran.
1: Run. But I remember there being, like, silence. I felt they didn't know what to do either. I think they just didn't expect us to ever turn around and look at them. Yeah. And I think people pray off of that, don't they? They pray at the fact that you are going to keep your head down. And they don't even, while they give you the abuse, they don't even have to look you in the eye. So it's easy for them. Yeah. It's easy to say names at the back of someone's head, isn't it? Yeah. the second you stop and turn around, it makes that interaction real. And I think that's what I did at school, just going back when I said, like I didn't feel like I had to come out at school, which was great for me because I had a good support network at school. I had loads of mm. friends. I was really confident. I felt like that was great. So I then was like, I'm happy. I'm totally fine with mm. being gay. I totally know who I am. Yeah. But, I think it was, it's not until you then get older and you realize. like, I kept myself in the bubble of people that supported me, so I left school and I went to National Youth Theatre. I was around um, like-minded, other gay people. I was, like, in a, like, living my fame fantasy. And I left there, went to a college, similar sort of situation, and then I went to drama school in a similar situation. It wasn't until I left there and I was in my 20s that I'm like, I've not had this conversation and sat down with my mum and dad and my parents, and and talked openly about the fact yeah. that I'm being gay um, my dad's quite religious my dad uh, is a Eucharistic minister so he goes to church every Sunday and I think you do have that thing of I don't want to burden them with it I don't want to mm. don't want them I don't want them to worry about me I don't mm. want them to think oh god he's in he's in yeah. that London all on his own and he's gay like yeah. what's the world gonna throw at him like I was like i've got this i'm fine i'm confident i'm happy in who i am i don't want to burden you and it wasn't until literally two years ago i was 28 27 just 20 28 it was pride month and there was all of these stories about being proud and and i do normally go to pride i'll go to a parade and i'll go out and i'll party and i'll get too drunk blah, 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 and, and celebrate i know quite a lot about gay history so i'm, I'm comfortable in that but I thought I've never shared that experience with my parents and I think that's it's important and I always didn't want to burden them but it got to the point where I thought am I actually putting a wall up between us? Mm. Am I doing them a disservice? Am I actually not giving them the credit that they deserve? Because I always thought well they won't get it they won't understand they're heterosexual plain Jane's. like they're so basic they wouldn't even get me mm. and I think that's that is selfish on my part
0: people are and better I, than you think people are yeah. better than
1: you think and i i didn't give them the credit so i made the decision and i literally just said oh can i have a word my mum and dad burst into tears straight away i think because they thought i was about to say something like i'm terminally ill <laughs> and i said and i in my head i think you'd planned it planned it for so yeah. many years you say like uh, how would i say it and i was like look many years I've known always known that I am a proud gay man my mum and dad were like oh thank god yeah oh thank god for that well, like we thought you were ill or you were going to tell us something that we didn't know mm. and I was like actually they do know but it was only me that had stopped that conversation I said well why didn't you ever say anything to me and they were like well that's it's not our business we no. never sat down with Richard and Stephen they're my brothers We never sat down and talked to them about, you know, who they're shagging and what they're doing. Yeah. You know, we thought you can talk about it if you want to. If you wanted to. Another thing my mum said was that I think if I'd have gone to school and I was really introvert and I didn't have any friends and I was, she said, then maybe would be the time to step in and have that conversation and open that door for you. But she was like, you seem so comfortable in yourself anyway. And honestly, having that conversation with them, it... It's made us a lot closer now. Yeah.
0: I always I always think that because I do think that experience, like we are beyond lucky with our parents, Rob. I always think that because oh, yeah. we've like there are some people who don't have they don't have the the support network that we have. But I re- I remember obviously, like I said, I was really young when I came up, but I remember saying the words I'm gay. And my mum just crying and crying Mm. and crying and my dad saying some things that at the time I felt like, God, he hates me. He hates this. Um, He was like, you know, you're going to, you don't pigeonhole yourself. Like it's, it could be a phase or stuff like this. And, and for years I carried that around with me, like, which just, when I finally did talk to my mum about it properly... My mum was like, I didn't care that you were gay. I just, I already knew that you had enough on your plate and I knew that life was going to be difficult for you Yeah. and I didn't want, I didn't want your life Mm. to be hard. And it is true because as much as we, you know, like we said, we're really lucky. There are people without this support network and, and I can only imagine how difficult it is for them. But there have been moments in our adult life that we've experienced where we've been discriminated against or people haven't spoke to us very nicely or we've received homophobic abuse. And I think I can't even, mental health within the LGBT community, the mental health side of things is so overlooked, but actually it's so prominent within our community because a lot of
1: Mm.
0: people find it hard to accept themselves or like they said, have no support network, live in shame. Some people are made homeless or have experienced abuse. I know mental health isn't something that you've, you know, consistently struggled with, but I think it's mm. fair to say you've definitely. Would am I right in saying you've suffered at points with oh, feeling yeah. depressed or anxious because oh, of it? A hundred
1: percent. A hundred percent. I think it's that putting yourself. You're constantly told, aren't you, when growing up? Like, know Do you know yourself? And I always pr- um, took pride in the fact that it was. I'm gay. I know I'm gay, oh, yeah. and I know who I am. Like. Ain't nobody gonna change me. Mm. But then as you get older and you become into adult life, the more things throw at you, like, do how well do I actually know myself or how I'm gonna do in mm. this sort of situation? I think drama school was a real big thing for me because then you're pushed into a situation where you're constantly evaluating and stripping your personality away and mm. and not away, but like breaking yourself down to like really understand you and your emotions and stuff. And, and, and then build yourself up and put you in a box for casting, um, yeah. for parts that you can have. And then I found it really hard because I'm quite a um, effeminate camp, um, uh, jovial sort of person. Mm-hmm. But then when I went to drama school, because of the way you look, I mean at the time, I was really big, I was just under 20 stone. Um, and I was losing my hair which was which was I found really tough to deal with so then I was in this stage where I was this big stocky Essex lad to casting directors so I remember my very first agent when I left drama school uh, would send me up for castings or I would only get seen for like thugs chavs bullies and uh, I remember her saying to me when you go into the room don't go in as you obviously go in as the character because if I walked into that room and hi, how you doing? You're right, I'm Rob. Nice to meet you. Yeah. That I'm not gonna get that part. Like, but if I go in and go, you're right, I'm Rob. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I'm from Essex, and uh, I, do, I do this, and uh, I'm here to read for this part. That like, I'm much more likely to like, get if, it. But it, it was the first time that I'd experienced having to play straight. Yeah. Having to to fit that box. Which is really hard because I was in an industry that was telling me to embrace and love yeah. myself. And I found that really contradicting.
0: And talking about, like, playing straight, like, I, I have... The, the, the part of being gay that no one really talks about is that I feel like you have to come out a lot through your life. Because yeah. every time you start a new job... There is the conversation, oh, the amount of times to me, oh, Emmy, who's your boyfriend? Oh, yeah. okay, now I've got to come out to this random stranger yeah. who I don't know. And now there's a room It like, when I started the job I'm at now, a lot of people knew I was gay, but some people didn't. And then, you, you know, quite often you'll find a lot of gay people use the word partner. We think that's a good cover-up. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, my partner, like... You know, and I would, you know, slip in the word her and she now and then because I felt that was easier. But like, or, you know, when um, we're both in the arts industry, like we've said, like we and we've both, through training or jobs that we've been on, we are surrounded by gay people. And we're always in that bubble. Um, So, yeah, surrounded by people who identify however they like and are 100% authentically themselves. Mm. And I forget sometimes... We actually live in a world where there are a lot of people who aren't okay with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I forget that.
1: Because we've been lucky and fortunate yeah. enough to have been surrounded. You, you surround yourself where you feel comfortable, don't yeah. you? You've been surrounded by them sorts of people, which is why it shocks me now. If you were to hear a comment or, or, yeah. or you read a news article. Now, that shocks me. About the, the, um, the lesbian couple on the bus when they yeah. got attacked. That blew my mind.
0: Because yeah. I was like,
1: in London, not in my London. Yeah. Like, surely not.
0: Like, let's just get this right for anybody who's listening who isn't sure. Homophobia is it? My God, it's real. Like, it still very much exists. And like I said about forgetting because we're in the bub- this bubble there was an, an instance not that long ago last year where me and my partner were out and funnily enough we'd been to a lgbt plus night and we'd been and mm. we'd been clubbing and we'd been drinking and we'd had this amazing time and then we came out and we wanted food on the way home and this was in essex with me and me and rob are both from essex uh-huh. and we went in to get some food and there was a ...man speaking really horribly to his girlfriend... ...and it was like this awkwardness that... ...you knew someone had to say something... ...but how long do you leave it before <coughs> you do? Anyway, my my partner Jay said something... ...and and said, you know, don't talk to her like that... ...it all got pretty heated... ...and before we knew it... ...this guy... ...was getting more and more angry... ...and he was looking at me... ...with disgust and venom... ...and he was with his, his wife or girlfriend... And he said to me, I'm not afraid to hit a girl like you. And I knew exactly what he meant, but I needed to hear it. So I said, what do you mean a girl like me? And he he called me a dirty dyke. And there was then, through a load of sexist abuse, uh, calling Jay a slag and and, and calling me a dyke. And it was this realisation of this is still very much a thing. And I'm just not used to it because I'm surrounded by amazing, accepting people who just know that this is life and this is normal. But actually, sometimes you can step out of our bubble and homophobia exists.
1: Yeah, all homophobia, racism and sexism, it it comes from the feeling of um, he'd been caught out. Do you know what I mean? It's a defence mechanism, isn't it? I have nothing else to say back to you because I've been caught out being abusive to my partner. I've got nothing else to say to you apart from I'm going to throw something at yeah. you that I can see. You're obviously a lesbian, or yeah. you're black, or you're a woman. Like yeah. it's, it's easy yeah. to grab onto, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's a go-to for for people as their defence mechanism, because he, Jade obviously embarrassed him. Yeah. She'd called him out in a chip shop for being a prick
0: yeah and then there was and there was another bloke there and we were saying the thing that was it got so heated and naturally the people who own that shop they want people out of there they don't want the drama, mm. but we were asked to leave and we felt like it was going back to mm. that took me back to being 15 mm. and being in that PE changing room and being asked to leave even though I knew I had done nothing wrong yeah. and it was that injustice that just didn't sit well with me um so yeah, like we're, we're gonna to have to wrap it up because so we've been talking for quite a while. But I was gonna say, we're having this chat because obviously it, we talk about mental health. We talk about um, we celebrate our differences and and about how you know eight broke don't fix me. This is who I am. Don't change me. This is for Pride Month. What does what does Pride mean to you now as as the man you are?
1: I think Pride now. To me, is is through everything. Just looking to yourself and being like, I am okay the way I am, Yeah. and actually not seeing it as being different. I, I mean, no. I know we've said it said it before, like grow, growing up being different or you are different. I am not different. There are so many people like me. Yeah, like there are cisgendered people, heterosexual people, there are there are gay people, there are trans people. These are all communities, but we are all just people. people. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't mm. like the the normal in my little fingers up again. Um that like you don't have what is normal? No. What is normal Can't to anyone?
0: Normal.
1: Um and I think pride's really important to To show that we're a community, like the parades and things, that it's important to... Like, we're here. We're here and we're proud to be here. We're proud to be here and we're
0: celebrating love. It's It's, about not being that
1: kid in the alleyway, walking down the alleyway with your head down and not turning around and facing them. Yeah. Because, like I said earlier, if you face them, it's a lot harder for people to say something to your face, looking at you, human to human, than it is for them to say derogatory things to the back of your head as you're walking away
0: 100% beautiful okay that I think that's a good place for us to finish this has been really nice because it's been like a natural um, conversation and this very much this uh, podcast as always is shining a light on mental health but it's really important I think that we don't often talk about mental health within the LGBTQIA plus community and we should because it's there and a lot of the time we just need to talk about it. And as I always say, this podcast may not always be funny. It may not always be. I mean, this was funny at points. Yeah. I'm sure people have laughed, <laughs> but it may not always be funny. It may not always be easy to listen to. And maybe you aren't comfortable with talking about sexuality. Maybe you are uh, in the closet or maybe you have, have your own worries and concerns about coming out. But we hope that this has been somewhat educational. And if not, we hope you've just enjoyed it. Uh, Yeah, we're off. Thank you very much for listening. Bye, everyone. Thank you, Rob.
1: Oh, I could have some MEP of mum's cake now. (laughs) Yeah, I could. A bit of tea and cake. Lovely. Uh,
0: See you later, guys. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Ain't Broke, Don't Fix Me, the podcast. Episode four, Growing Up Gay. Cheers, Rob.